Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gem. We're going to be joined by our good friend, Ira Robbins, the CEO of Valley Bank in just a moment. Uh, Mary, real quick, you want to do the sponsors or we'll hold off on that? We can hold off on that. That's fine. I mean, Ira's here as time is valuable, time is money, but I'll make sure we will not get through this half hour without it. So for all of you watching, just wait, it's coming. You got it. And by the way, go on our website, see all the previous interviews with Ira Robbins, the CEO of Valley Bank, one of the leading bank executives across the country. How are you doing, my friend? Great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to see the both of you again. Uh, Ira, I was just saying that as we're taping this program in a couple of days, I'm going up to Valley to kick off, I think it's the fourth iteration of the Valley Leadership Academy. And I am not coming empty handed, Ira. <laughs> Everyone in the academy is getting one of these. Are you going to sign it? Uh, you're always running around, but I'm going to come by your office and drop this off. Uh, medium? Medium. Large. And I do want a, a signed one, Steve, as well. <laughs> Steve, make sure you bring a Sharpie with you. Okay. Yeah, a, a silver <laughs> Sharpie. Uh, and by the way, I was going to say something like, here's a contest, but I was I thinking, these are too expensive. I don't want to give them out. Exactly. But I'm going to give... Uh, Ira, real quick, tell everyone, before we talk about leading in very challenging times in the banking industry... Why the Valley Leadership Academy, without turning this into a commercial uh, for us or for Valley, we would not have this academy if you were not so committed and are not so committed uh, to leadership development. Please, Ira. I think it's interesting. People talk about succession planning a lot. And many times when board of directors and individuals think about succession planning, they think of a CEO or somebody else at an executive level. Uh, and, and obviously, there is a tremendous amount of talent within an organization. And how do you build an appropriate talent base to get to even have a consideration of who's available? Uh, for us, we have a pyramid uh, perspective that really starts at the bottom within the organization. Those that have just come into the bank or those that have begun from a career development perspective and, and the academy, which you really lead, uh, is that upper tier of individuals. So it's not just that, hey, we have this one academy and this is where we think about succession planning, but it's really a pyramid throughout the entire organ organization that builds into a program like this. And this program is critical for us. Uh, individuals have to be selected to go into it. Uh, there has to be a career path for them as to how we think about executive leadership for them. Uh, and it's our commitment back to them as much as the commitment back to the organization. Well said. Mary, before we jump in, I, I, it's interesting. Um, I often think about this. It's easier, it's easy really to lead when things are going great and you're kicking butt and the stock price is off the charts and profits. Great. Terrific. Okay. We're taping this as we go into July 2023. It'll be seen a little bit later. Ira, for you as a leader in the regional banking business with Valley getting bigger every day, stress, anxiety, particularly at certain points in time, or, hey, I'll just deal with this, get through it, you tell us. It's been different, right? COVID was a very different perspective that I had versus even what it is today based on what everyone was going through. I was at dinner with a few friends last night and one of them actually asked me, so I've been CEO for five years and one of them asked me at dinner, would you still have wanted to be CEO uh, based on everything that you know today? And I thought about it for a bit and the answer is absolutely yes. But I think how much of what we do at Valley and what I do from a leadership perspective is a function of the desire to be better at what I am and the desire to really provide a better environment and opportunity for many of our people. So uh, I think we challenge ourselves maybe more than many other organizations do. Uh, you know, We bid on SVB Bank uh, in the financial crisis a couple of months ago. 
not something we needed to necessarily do. We've done a bunch of mergers and acquisitions that we thought about what the growth of the organization is. Once again, not something we needed to necessarily do. So I think at, at, at Valley, uh, it's not just being comfortable in where we are, but continuing to strive to be better, uh, I think is, is a challenge that for me as a CEO has probably added to some of the, the challenges that we've dealt with over the last few uh, years, uh, but I can't imagine anything different. Mary, all yours. Yeah, definitely. And Ira, you know, we just talked about it a little bit, but I wanted to take a deeper dive. Obviously, as a CEO, everybody's looking to you for answers. Everybody is looking to you to get security, to feel good. How do you manage the fear, the uncertainty, whether it was the financial crisis, whether it's COVID? Uh, really, what do you do to ensure is a transparency? How, how do you let everyone know, hey, we're going to be okay, even though you're not so sure? I think it's like, go through in my mind, I think there's really two different approaches uh, versus what happened in COVID, even what happened in the last few months here at Valley. Uh, when we went through COVID, everyone was going through the situation at the exact same time. Uh, and I think from an organization perspective, the transparency and communication was critical, but everyone sort of had that feeling uh, and not just the people that are working at Valley, but everybody around them who's been embedded in their entire life. Uh, Josephine Savistano, who I think is one of the individuals that you know is a, a strong leader at Valley, it was really her recommendation to do weekly town halls at Valley in the beginning, just to make sure that everybody had an understanding of what we were dealing with. And I remember one of my first or second town halls, I did just a recalibration or, or a recount of what my last week was like. Make sure everyone had had a connection to who I was and, and an ability to see some of the things that I was dealing with. And I think that transparency, uh, the honesty as to how people uh, were able to connect with what we were doing from a leadership team perspective was really critical. Having confidence to make sure that everyone knew that we were going to get through this, I think, was Im important. Uh, but but being humble enough to understand that this was happening to everyone and needing to have a large degree of empathy throughout the entire organization was something that was very important. Yeah, we're going to go even deeper, Ira. <clears throat> you ready? Yeah. So, you know, the bank out in California, that happens, some other banks. So here's what I'm curious about. As a leader, and trust me, I've struggled with this on a much smaller level than 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 you have had to deal with this. So the thing I keep wondering about is where is the balance between showing confidence, hey, we're gonna get through this, we're not just gonna survive, we're gonna thrive. But if we have our own anxiety and fear and lack of, uh, lag, yeah, we're not sure. To what degree, and vulnerability, the V word here, to what degree, Ira, do you believe, you're talking about being honest and upfront, how much can you tell people about your own fears, your own anxiety, or do you go, hey, I can't afford to do that because I need them doing the right thing. I know it's a loaded question. Go ahead, Ira. It's a balance. And I don't think there's uh, an answer, an appropriate answer uh, that's across the board for every single situation. You know, we had a discussion uh, this past Friday with our leadership team talking about not just being manners, but managers, but leaders within the organization. And how do you inspire uh, those that work for you? You know, the banking crisis today is interesting. A lot of people have not been through something like this before. So there's components of it that are very easy to talk to. Have we been through a recession before? Yes. Have we been through inverted interest rate environments? Yes. So those are things that I can definitely feel confident, transparent, honest, without an issue as to how I think about what we're moving forward from a direction perspective. And I feel really good about those things. The other things are structural changes that are happening in the banking environment. And I think making sure that while I don't have every single answer for it, understanding that there is a path forward 
and that our ability to be resilient is really the driving force that's going to make us successful through some of these successful changes or conversations I have and that confidence that comes with that. So I think understanding and being clear what I don't necessarily have an answer to everything uh, when there are some structural things that are going forward. But I feel very, very confident in the team that we built here within the organization and our ability to really uh, deal with what's going on and make sure that we come out the other side in a very better situation than where we started today. Well said. Mary, a couple more minutes. Yeah, definitely. So Ira, you talk a lot about your team. And I know we've talked offline about the team at Valley being a family, being a community. Talk a little bit more about the fact that do you truly believe that everyone is a leader? Earlier, you were talking about the pyramid and at the base of the pyramid and all the way up to the top. Do you rely, do you insist that everybody on your team be a leader, act like a leader, and help to build up others on the team that way? Do I insist and do I require? Yeah. <laughs> Is everybody there? No. And I think that becomes the balance, uh, a partly of who we are as an organization to make sure we're providing an environment for people to learn how to become leaders. I don't think it's innate that you're born with it. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that you can do from a reading perspective, who you network with. But it's our responsibility as well uh, to make sure that we're creating that environment for individuals to succeed both professionally and personally. And, and that's something that we need to make sure that we're doing within the organization. So we have appropriate leadership. You know, we have 4,000 employees, uh, in, not even just in the United States, in different, in different countries. You know, how do you lead uh, those individuals is a very different skill set than what the bank was like when we were a couple hundred employees all in northern New Jersey. Uh, and, and it's once again, it's our responsibility to make sure that we're investing in our people to make sure we have the best leadership available to us. All right, before I let you go, uh, there's a move taking place as we speak. Uh, actually, we're going to be doing our final seminar in person um, in Wayne, but Valley is moving to a new corporate headquarters. Please share. I'm so excited about this. We have been in Wayne, New Jersey since the late 80s uh, in a couple buildings that look like they've been in the 1960s. I don't think decorations have changed at all. Uh, and, and it's important that we uh, provide a physical space for our employees that reflect where we want to be in the future and who we think of ourselves. Uh, I know there is this whole perspective about hybrid work and people working from home. Uh, I think it's really important to have a physical environment that's collaborative and provides an opportunity for people to work together uh, in an organization that reflects who, who you want to be, not just where you are today. So we designed a facility in Morristown, New Jersey to make sure it's reflective of what the Valley Forward is going to look like. Let me just say, it's not just our corporate headquarters. We made a commitment to change the physical appearance of all of our uh, facilities. So over the last five years, I think every single one of our retail branches has been retrofitted to reflect what we want the image of Valley to look like, uh, as well as all of our other regional offices, whether they're being in Florida, uh, Long Island, Manhattan, but we've changed a lot of our facilities. And once again, I think it's important for people to understand that we're making a commitment to what Valley's future looks like. You know, we're going through a difficult time today as we think about recession, interest rates, et cetera. If I put that over here, when I look at what, what, at what Valley's doing, we've invested over $125 million in technology and buildings over the next couple couple years for what our future is going to look like. And that's an important statement as we think about our commitment to our employees, our commitment to the communities. It's not just, yes, we're here for you, go to a leadership development program, but what does everything surrounding us look like and how are we completing that holistic view as to what our future is going to be? Uh, Ira Robbins is the CEO of Valley Bank, uh, longtime partners, uh, supporting lessons in leadership. We're honored to be a small part of a great program, the Valley Leadership um, 
program, Leadership Academy. Ira, thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's great to see you again. Ira will be walking around town in Morristown with this shirt. There it is right there. <laughs> Leave a signed one, please. Mary, you got to get me that silver pen. I'll Ira, do my best. Right about on Mary Gamba back after this, Lessons in Leadership. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. This is the Seton Hall story, one that comes to life every day on our campus. This is the place where great minds discover, innovate, collaborate, and find their true calling. This is the place where passion has a purpose, where learning inspires leading. The bonds we make, the values we teach, inspire our community to take heart and take action. This is Seton Hall University. This is what great minds can do. Lessons in Leadership is honored to uh, welcome our good friend, Regina Foley, Dr. Regina Foley, with a PhD and an MBA. That's, what you, that's a lot of schooling. Uh, Executive Vice President, Chief Transformation Officer and Interim Chief Nurse Executive at Hackensack Meridian Health. Good to see you, my friend. Hi, Steve. Great to see you again. Good to see you. Uh, why don't we do this? We just reached out for you in large part because not only you've been a great leader that we've worked with for many years, but there's a new initiative, the Sheila Cancro Institute for Nursing Leadership at HMH. Talk about that. Yeah, an amazing, amazing woman and uh, such a a great part of our team here. Uh, Sheila Cancro worked at one of our hospitals in the South um, years and years ago. Her son happens to be Peter Cancro, <laughs> the owner and uh, architect behind Jersey Mike's. And uh, she gave then, um, and she bestowed that that same gift onto her, her kids. And uh, both Peter and his brother continue to give locally to the community. I mean, there's probably not a more generous family on the planet. And uh, Peter, knowing his, having his relationship with Hackensack Meridian Health for many years, knowing where his mom worked and how much she meant to that community that has not left him. So uh, uh, she, again, was a nurse's aide at one of our sites. So he has dedicated um, his time and certainly resources for Hackensack Meridian to develop our next generation of leaders, nurse leaders. And uh, we, you know, certainly the, you know, within healthcare, there are multiple uh professions and resources and different individuals needed to make all the wheels on the bus move around, nurses, technologists, our food nutrition team, environmental, et cetera. Uh, but the Sheila Kanker Institute is about nursing leadership. Uh, those that are that are leading the efforts on the transformation of care that needs to occur, uh, as well as to the bedside staff taking care of patients. So uh, again, I've disclosed this 
in other lessons and leadership episodes, and I'll disclose it again. Mary and I work with HMH with the Physician Leadership Academy at HMH. Been doing that for many, many years. Quick question before Mary jumps back in. At this critical juncture for the nursing profession, for nurses, what, from your perspective, Regina, is the most significant, important leadership trait for our nurses to have in these incredibly challenging times? What is it, other than resilience and grit? Yeah, I think it's um, it's fundamental foundational people skills, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be with patients or team members or physicians, uh, and the adaptability for change. I mean, to, because post-pandemic era, we've lost a lot of workforce. They just said, you know what, I'm out. It's just too hard. It's just too hard. I got to go. I'm going to accelerate my retirement or I'm going from full-time to part-time or part-time to per diem. And they've really, that that pandemic really walloped the, certainly the planet, but it really took a big toll on the workforce. Uh, so therefore now it's developing, uh, you know, that next uh, generation of nurses. So I would say people skills and adaptability. And we cannot thank our nurses, our physicians as well, our respiratory therapists, so many others, but to our nurses in particular, there is no way to say thank you for all that they have done and all that they will do for so many patients and their families and incredibly incredibly vulnerable, sensitive times. Mary, please. Yeah. And uh, Regina, you know, we've worked together for so many years. Steve and I talk about wellness and leadership, and we we touched on it a little bit before the pandemic. But even now, with the burnout of nurses, physicians, and people in healthcare, talk a little bit about what you're doing to encourage a culture of wellness with these nurses. Because if they get burnt out, it, you know, where do we go from there? I know. It's so true. Uh, you know, a couple things. One is, uh, making that kind of that that pause and in, in committing time for their professional development. You know, they nurses by nature always will want to do the right thing, connect the evidence to the patient. So therefore, we have to provide the platforms for them to do so. So there's that foundationally. Uh, on the on the nurse leader side, we're actually piloting a four day work week. Uh, we have uh, one of our sites, a four day work week. Uh, you know, it's almost like Oh, is that 10 hours a day, four days a week? <laughs> Leaders don't shut it off at the end of the day, weekend. You know, sick people don't necessarily, things don't happen necessarily Monday through Friday, nine to five, right? And by the way, Regina, I want to apologize for all the calls offline, off hours, weekends, late at night that I've made to Regina about family <laughs> issues. And how, but I'm sorry, Regina, go ahead. No, I mean, we're all here in New Jersey. I, you know, I, you're an extension of our family. What's important to you is important to us. So I, there's never, never hesitate. And there's no issue with that. But for, you know, to Mary's question on what we're doing is we've heard loud and clear with nurse leaders, like I need a break. And it wouldn't just be for nurse leaders. We're just piloting with the nurse leaders. And uh, so far, you know, successful, we're about two months into it. And, you know, can they get the work done during that kind of four day work? Because what we're looking for them is really to be off the grid, mm-hmm. to really take that, you know, that I'm going to say that extra day of the work week. Or maybe they're not in the hospital doing something. Maybe it is professional development. Uh, They can be doing something with their team off hours. uh, And then obviously the weekend. So it's to be creative and Mm. to be provocative of, well, what would work for you? And we heard, I mean, we've done um, focus groups. We listen to our leaders all the time. And they said, you know what, if we could really shrink it somehow, because in healthcare, we're really not remote at all in a hybrid environment. People are in. They're in their buildings. In their it, it, you can't do this. Not going to fly. Not going to fly. So they're, you know, a nurse leader. They're in their department, in the hospital, uh, rounding on patients, seeing patients, dealing with process issues, all the things associated with it. So we've heard is 
Like, is there any chance we could do that in a four-day work week or not? And it wouldn't necessarily be a Tuesday through Friday or a Monday through Thursday. You know, that's part of the pilot. So we're looking at what would day be the day of the week. If it would work for nursing, can it happen for other disciplines? What happens on that fifth day? Because again, patients are still here. So just because the leader is away, and that's another thing, Mary, we're, and Steve, we're developing is if that leader were not to be there, where is the bench? Is there an assistant manager, a charge yep. who's quarterbacking the most vital thing to what needs to happen with those patients that day? So that's also happening yeah. behind the scenes. Real quick, because by the way, I know Regina takes her own well-being, her own wellness very seriously. I'm going to ask her about that in a second. Mary, you and I say we have Wellness Friday. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, try to work, we try to work four days a week. How often do we talk on Fridays? Oh, my gosh. Not only talk on Friday, all weekend long. I felt like I was you, Steve, because I'm getting ready for a vacation next week, and my goal is to not bring my laptop. Laptop. And Regina, this would be the first time that I ever went away without my laptop. I, I, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm hoping. So literally, I was working both Saturday and Sunday. And as we're taping, we had a rainy weekend. So I'm like, let me just get this stuff out of the way. But it is so true. It's not about when you're punching that clock, but it's about being effective and efficient in the hours that you do, you know, that you're there and also being there off the clock if needed. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, Mary, please stop sending uh, emails on the weekend. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. Um, Regina, your well-being, your wellness, you take seriously. Fitness matters to you greatly, please. I think it's protecting time to make sure if you're not if you're not together and you're not healthy, you can't be talking the talk unless you're doing it. And I felt strongly, uh, you know, I, I, for a long, I've been in this company 36 years and I'm thinking, well, if I'm saying it, I better have enough to back it up. Uh, so I am an early riser. Uh, my daughter's in Michigan. She happens to be doing her work starts at 4.30 in the morning where I can see her. So, you know, early, I'm like a, an early walker with my husband. And at least that's, it gets it rolling. I am trying to, in the last couple of months, I've been trying to get back to the yoga thing. I know it's not for everybody. I am aging though. And I feel like it just makes me feel stronger, meaning physically I'm moving, you know, I'm at like here today, you know, we're talking remotely. I'm in an office, a personal office building on Zooms and meetings all day. But I think you have to physically move. And where I'm going with the yoga is I have to work so hard at that. I can't think of anything else. And my brain is always so focused on what just because of what I do. Change is always is happening. We, You know, what about this project? What's happening with this? The evolution of, you know, we're uh, recruitment, you know, it, where it yeah. really never shuts down. Where when I'm walking and having other conversations, not work related or getting on a bike on the weekend. Uh, I was down in your neck of the woods on Saturday, Steve, at least, you know, on your, your you know, in, your, in the South there. And then um, doing your about down the Jersey Shore. That's right. Yeah, I live south. <laughs> I'm in that. I live in that. I feel like the best place in New Jersey. I uh, awesome. love where I live. So it's uh, in the, the shore area. So my, but I think the takeaway is you have to protect the time and make it a priority. Three kids, they happen to be a little bit, you know, they've aged out of the high school into college. And during those times, I'm like, you have to be there. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, you, you can't miss a wrestling match. You can't miss a tennis match. You can't. And reality is, unless you're taking care of yourself, the wrestling match and the performing arts performance and the tennis match isn't really going to matter because you're not. It's you're just not there. You're not present. So I feel strongly about that. Yeah, Mary. Uh, as Regina talks about uh, all the sports, and Mary's got hockey um, in her blood. But also, real quick, a shout out to to your son Joe. As we're, we're taping right before the Fourth of July. Mary, your son just graduated high school. Joe, talk about performing arts real quick. 
So Regina, you mentioned performing arts and my son, Joey, um, is going to be going to NYU Tisch uh, oh, nice. this fall for uh, School of Drama. Amazing. And uh, we are just so proud of him. And if you know anything about theater, it is a long haul to get into these programs. So we're really excited to see where the world is going to take him. Congratulations. to you. Thank you. To uh, Regina Foley, to the team at Hackensack Meridian Health, and to the folks that are going to be running the uh, Sheila Cancro Institute for Nursing Leadership, uh, we wish them all the best. And um, Regina, it's an honor to not just have you on, but to be call you our friend, my friend. Thank you, Regina. Yeah. Uh, be well, everyone. Thanks very much. You got it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by... The Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, Resourcing the World, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. Oh, I just want it to look like, see what it would look like if I, if Mary thought I had frozen. Didn't I do this the other day, Mary? You sure did. Yeah. But I was wise to it. Our other producers, not so much. It's like a mime. Like uh, back it in is. the day, you know, April, you were Marcel Marceau. You, you know what I'm talking about. Google it. Um, he'd have these faces and he would just stare. Never mind. Uh, I just aged myself terribly. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mary, can we talk about something more important? Uh, the sponsors of Lessons in Leadership, who are very generous, please talk about that. And they will all be getting. Yes. I love our prop today. Every week, every time we tape, we have a new prop. And I love this prop. It's very so, exciting. This, thank me. you, Andy Duke, uh, Metro Graphics. Thank you for these. I mean, they're not free, but thanks, Andy. Yeah, no, uh, he did Mary, a great job. Yeah. And uh, tell everyone who pays for yes. the show. And the sponsors who make those t-shirts possible. No, I'm kidding. And, <laughs> so and they're going to be getting those t-shirts. And we'll be getting those t-shirts. Prager Metis, Cheese, New Jersey, Valley Bank, New Jersey Sharing Network, International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, Seton Hall University and the Bacino Leadership Institute, Northport Center, Veolia, Fedway Associates, and last but not least, Delta Dental of New Jersey. So we just have a great group of people coming together and it's just, it's so fun. It is. Hey, hey, Mary, can we do this? You know, I often people go, how do you rehearse or how do you prepare for lessons in leadership? We prepare on a lot of levels, but I don't mm -hmm. tell Mary what I'm going to be talking about because I like to. I love know. spontaneity. I love it. Yeah. Well, you're not going to expect this one. Well, we have two minutes for spontaneity. So let's see how it okay, goes. Real quick. You were just talking about who pays for the show, our sponsors, right? Mm -hmm. Would you call us a fiscally conservative? And I don't mean politically, a very fiscally conservative. We are very operation. lean. I am very cheap and frugal. Yes. <laughs> so this is an article on the Star-Ledger. We still have newspapers. Go on NJ.com to see this. Fiscal crunch time for a college that struggled. I'm not even going to name the college. Mm -hmm. but there's a public college in New Jersey that's in big fiscal trouble. Why do I mention it? What does it have to do with lessons in leadership? This particular university made investments that it couldn't afford to make. New buildings, new development, and expansion is great. Development is great. Innovation is great. But if you don't know how you're going to pay for it, and you are not fiscally responsible and conservative, prudent, it's bad leadership. Because now that university is looking for the state of New Jersey to rescue them. And I'm just going to say, you can't ask for somebody to bail you out. You're responsible for your own fiscal 
leadership. I'm sorry, Mary, I'm on my soapbox this morning. You say? I know, that's a tough one to come in and out of very quick. I know we have like 30 seconds left, but I agree. One of the biggest challenges as a leader is to say no, to say, you wanna know what, let's hit pause. Sure, I know we want these new shiny things and it does look great, but if we can't afford them and if the long-term result five, 10, 15 years down the line is that we can't pay those bills, you need to sometimes as a leader say no. And um, and I know, I, listen, we'll talk about that in a future episode, but I wanted to bring it up because fiscal leadership, fiscal responsibility matters. For Mary, myself and the team, Alvin Badger, who's our director saying, say goodbye. I'm gonna say goodbye till next time. Lessons in leadership, see you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth. This is the Seton Hall story, one that comes to life every day on our campus. This is the place where great minds discover, innovate, collaborate, and find their true calling. This is the place where passion has a purpose, where learning inspires leading. The bonds we make, the values we teach, inspire our community to take heart and take action. This is Seton Hall University. This is what great minds can do.